coming to you live from a fogged out apartment somewhere in the United States. It's the TH Cinema Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the DH Cinema Podcast. My name is Dan, and with me, as always, is the Birdman and Vulture to my Batman. <laughs> the Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton to my Michael Keaton. <laughs> All of the Keatons. You will see it. Snort. Hi. Silent John. Well, hello. And Frank couldn't be here tonight. So we just finished getting extremely high. <laughs> Can we actually just talk about the nachos for a second? Okay, yeah, we can talk about the nachos. I'm really high. Of course we can talk about the nachos. Because that was my favorite part of the high, 100%. See, I just like that we got high in three different states because we've had edibles, we've smoked flour, and we've vaped. So it's like solids, liquids, and gases wow. of THC. The whole THC elemental chart right here. It's the, like, marijuana cycle, like the water cycle. Yeah. Wait, so are you saying the next Avatar is going to be the way of weed? <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. I'm still not going to watch it. But yeah, we finished getting high, and tonight we're going to be continuing down our Hall of Honors programming block, and tonight we're going to be honoring my honoree, Mr. Michael Keaton. Wow. Batman, Beetlejuice, the man has got a storied career. Yeah, he is an extremely versatile actor. This man has done a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I mean, his his filmography has some really highs and some really lows. But at the same time, I don't feel like he's ever really bad in, in those bad movies. Michael Keaton is just great in pretty much everything, I think. Yeah, so we're going to go down the little Michael Keaton train tonight. So Michael Keaton was a comedy actor. That's kind of where, you know, he got his name out there, which... Fun fact, his name isn't actually Michael Gaten. It's Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas? Michael Douglas. Wait. <coughs> Michael Douglas? There's already a Michael Douglas. And that's why he changed it to Michael Keaton. But Michael Keaton got his start out in Pittsburgh, and part of the Hall of Honorees thing is because Michael Keaton got his start on Mr. Rogers, the most wholesome, sweet fucking show that's ever been produced. With arguably one of the greatest humans who has ever lived. I have a big, deep love for Mr. Rogers. I did spend some time in Pittsburgh, so it kind of got into me being out there. But Mr. Rogers, he's like on the, you know, fucking like Stan Lee levels of like people that I admire. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Mr. Rogers, I'm sure, is nice and stuff, but I I wasn't a Mr. Rogers kid. I, I didn't watch it, so... I have no feelings towards that. <laughs> Why do you have to rain on the Mr. Rogers parade? I'm not. I'm just taking my stance. He's the greatest man in the world. I'm not saying he's not. I just don't know much about him. And whenever I'm looking at a picture of Bob Ross, I'm like, man, it's kind of hard to compete, though. <laughs> Are you trying to create a war between Bob Ross and Mr. Rogers all of a sudden? No, but I think sides just need to be chosen between <laughs> the two. And I'm no. team Bob Ross. No. Battle lines are being drawn <laughs> is what's happening. 
Wow, this is the Hall of Honors, and you're coming in, <laughs> kicking the doors down, swinging. Yeah, you're coming in with a wild card nominee with Mr. Bob Ross over there. I just really like Bob Ross. <laughs> but this show isn't about my Bob Ross or Mr. Rogers. This show is about Michael Keaton. <laughs> oh, wow. And Michael Keaton, he was known for a while in the early days of his career as like the comedy guy. He did the the Mr. Moms, he did the Beetlejuices, you know, he did the night shifts. And then when Tim Burton was making a certain superhero film, which was the first big superhero film that ever was, in my opinion, he was like, I got the perfect guy for Batman. I'm going to get Michael Keaton. And the fucking execs over at WB were like, Michael Keaton, the comedian? What? And Tim Burton ended up taking Michael Keaton and putting him in this dark role. And then that kind of defined his career moving forward. Because after that, he was kind of doing stuff that was a little bit more heavy at times. Yeah, that's interesting because I only really know Michael Keaton, like, the only comedy I know him for really is Beetlejuice. Other than that, I had no idea he was a comedy guy. I only know him for his serious stuff. Oh, yeah, very much like Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was known for a yeah. long time as the comedian guy, and then fucking Philadelphia, and he became Tom Hanks. Huh. See, and I think just due to, like, uh, Snort and I's, I guess, time period of growing up, by the time we were watching Michael Keaton movies, he had already peaked, essentially, and gotten, you know, the widespread acclaim, so... We haven't had the chance to really go back and see like the origins of somebody like Michael Keaton or Tom Hanks. You know, we we've seen them as established actors. So I'm really excited to go a little bit deeper into Keaton's filmography today. Yeah, you haven't gone through the whole Keaton catalog. No, no. And I think it's a whole little world to crack open. Yeah. So then after like he took that Batman turn and he did a couple other movies, he did a movie called Jack Frost. Oh, no. That movie is so scary. Yeah, it's scary because it was supposed to be George Clooney in that role. And you could tell from the snowman that it was supposed to be George Clooney. So Michael Keaton just kind of did this movie, and that was pretty much, for him, a kind of career ender. Like, that killed the Keaton. I mean, I don't know. I got it. (laughs) It it is kind of brutal, and it's a shame. I, I don't feel like somebody of, like, Keaton's caliber should have been, like, pushed away over a movie like that, though. You know? Yeah. But then Keaton kind of became, like, a Bigfoot. Okay? Like, he would just pop up here and there. He would do some straight-to-DVD stuff. Like, uh, he did this movie called White Noise, which I specifically remember watching in theaters because I was like, ooh, Michael Keaton in a pseudo-PG-13 horror movie. And it's all about, like, EVPs and stuff. And, like, that's when, like, Ghost Hunters was big and, like, Prezac. This is Prezac oh, era. Wow. I feel like I've, I know I've never seen it, but I've weirdly, as you describe it, feel like I know the trailer. Like I know exactly the movie you're talking about. Is, is this the same time that Michael Keaton was in Herbie Fully Loaded? This is around a couple of years after Herbie Fully Loaded. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, Herbie Fully Loaded was kind of like his Bigfoot era. Oh, okay. Okay. He was getting Disney money before it was like cool to get Disney money. Yeah. Yeah, he was still dibble-dabbling in, like, comedy and stuff. Like, he went back to that to try to get, like, 
the Keaton name back out there, and that's why he did the 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 Herbie's fully loaded with the Lohan. Man, I loved that movie. Yeah, that that seems to me like that would be something right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> so you've always kind of known Michael Keaton as like the dad era yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah. You've never seen yeah the young Michael Keaton is a different beast of Michael Keaton, but he's always kind of been like dad Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's kind of been a dad since he was like in his tw- early twenties. Like that's the feel you get from Michael Keaton. He just you you could picture him with a lawnmower. Yeah, his Bruce Wayne is very like dadish. Yeah, and his Mr. Moms and like even the stuff before, like the Beetlejuices. Like Beetlejuice is the Is the I would outlier. say I would say that's a dad ghost. He's making dad jokes out there. Like the yeah. ghost version of dad jokes. Yeah, yeah, okay. I ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> this is kind of bad. I think he's Beetlejuice is like the dad that left the kids. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. 100%. he offed himself to get away from the kids, okay. and that's why he's Beetlejuice, and he's stuck in the the realm. Okay, you saying that makes me feel justified because this is gonna sound bad too. <laughs> I was gonna say he's like a, like a trailer park dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then after the Herbie fully loaded, Michael Keaton did the white noise type stuff, and then he really like went into like hermit mode and seclusion. And then after a couple of years, we got another little like Michael Keaton's kind of like a deer like coming out of the woods. Like, oh, he smells something. He's being very cautious, you know? And he started popping up again like a Bigfoot, doing a little bit of comedy, showing up on TV shows, doing little cameos. Did a couple episodes on 30 Rock. Uh, popped up in The Other Guys. That's the movie I was trying to think of because that's got... Uh, isn't The Rock in that movie? The Rock and Sam Jackson when they jump yes. off the roof and then it's Will uh, Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. No, Mark Wahlberg. I'm just going to say it. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right. Hey, buddy. No, I, I got to get deeper on it. I, can't. I can usually do an all right Wahlberg. I want to hear it. When when I was uh, when I used to annoy Lindsay, I used to just uh, do Wahlberg Wednesdays, where I would just talk like Mark Wahlberg on Wednesdays. I'm gonna tell you what I think. I would hate Wahlberg Wednesdays myself. What about oh. what about Walking Wednesdays? Oh gee, no, man, my, my my impressions are off today. Well, what you gotta do is you gotta do the walking with a little bit of gravitas. Can I do walk-in requests? I want walk-in Joe Dirt. Uh, I need a Joe Dirt quote. Oh, life is like a garden. Dig it. Oh no, you meant walking from Joe Dirt. Yes. Not, <laughs> not walking doing Joe Dirt. That was just as good though. <laughs> That's why I I thought you would know the line I was wanting, but then your interpretation, I was like, well, this isn't wrong either. Talking to me all wrong. You do it again. Do it again. I'm going to stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Walken's always got a little bit of Travolta in him. <laughs> My favorite part, though, is at the very end of that, does your mother sew? <laughs> what the fuck, Walken? Michael Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton is the person we're talking about right now. Michael Batman. And then you got, like, Tom Hanks-ish Michael Keaton kind of happening. Because then you got, like, the founder... Which was the one he did uh, where he was the founder of McDonald's or whatever, which was very, very good. Like, you got to see the other side of the Keaton and the Birdman's. Yeah. Spotlight. Very good movie. So, Keaton, to me, is one of those very special individuals who's just kind of 
been a sweet guy. He's like the Tom Hanks that never was, in my opinion. I could see that. He seems like a nice person. Yeah, that kind of sounds like a spot-on way to think about it. It was like right there. How come I never put that correlation together? If it wasn't for that goddamn Snowman movie, Michael Keaton would have had a career ahead of him. Yeah, if you're playing a character that's created to already look like George Clooney, and then the movie bombs, I mean, that really can't fall on your shoulders. So it kind of, like I said earlier, it sucks to see that happen to him, but man, I feel like he would have been, like, Oscar-nominated pretty quick in his career, like, after that happened, if you just erase that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It seems like he just put his entire, like, Hollywood career on hold for a while after that, when it was just, well, somebody else put it on hold, but, like, on a phone call hold with the elevator music in the background where it's just basic for a while. Before he got, before somebody answered and said, hey, Michael Keaton, come back to Hollywood and make some good movies. <laughs> Much like, you know, some of the other people that we're going to be honoring in this series, string of bad movies, disappear for a while, walk around in basketball shorts around New York. Spoilers. I'm looking up to see how many Oscar nominations Michael Keaton has had. Is it just Birdman? I don't know. That's what I'm looking It's at. just the one. Oh, it is just the one. It's just the one. It's pretty oh. sad, honestly. It's a sad state of the world when Michael Keaton only has one Oscar nomination. I really thought he got nominated for Spotlight also. No, because that was they were pushing Mark Ruffalo that year. Oh. It does kind of worry me, though, because his last credit so far... You don't say it. ...is Morbius. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I was hoping we could skirt around it. But once again, though, I mean, his character works for me i mean morbius is what it is but michael keaton is still fantastic yeah i know we don't we've been trying to keep dan out of the mcu a lot on these episodes but michael keaton as the vulture was such a great like role for him and that could have been a new launch and then he ended up going and doing jack frost morbius but that was by contract let me say him uh getting like it opening the door uh biggest like Marvel reveal for me, like biggest jaw drop. I was like, wow. Yeah, the scene in the car with yeah. with Spider or with uh, Peter Parker is just so fucking menacing and so tense. It's it's definitely one of the like oh no, oh no moments in the Marvel cinematic universe. And you know why, damn it? Because Michael fucking Keaton, he sells it. He fucking sells that scene. Isn't he still going to be in uh, the Flash movie coming out? Yeah, he's still got to be the Batmans. See, that's the next thing I was going to bring up. I think they decided to maybe not move forward with that, too. I think that's getting cut. They're done with it in this WB restructure? I think so. So he Uh, had to... It's not a bad choice. It's not. It just sucks because he had to suffer the fate of Morbius. And now you're stuck to this project with Ezra Miller and that ship that's like sinking, but also staying afloat at the same time. Like, I hate to see that for our boy here. Yeah, I would rather them cancel the flash out so he doesn't get double morbius Yeah, in the last two years. Somehow it keeps hanging on, though. But tonight, the movie we're going to be watching is Multiplicity, which is Michael Keaton's kind of like last comedic performance before the frost happened, before his career went cold. <laughs> and this movie stars Michael Keaton as multiple Michael Keatons. It's okay. I'm gonna put it in timeline. Okay, okay. '90s movie. Okay. Okay. So it was before you could digitally clone things. So it's really weird to watch sometimes. 
because it's potentially four different Michael Keatons in one scene at potential moments. What? And it's really okay. You'll you'll see what I'm talking about. There's something weird about the frame rate. Just something's just off. Is it like Uncanny Valley? It's very close to it. Uh, Not like Megan. Yeah. Not like like Megan levels of Uncanny Valley. Don't disrespect Megan. I know. I just can't see it without like getting it. Um, We fucking love Megan. No, no, no. Um, but there's something really weird about the frame rate that's always just kind of like been weird. So 90s, you got to get past it. Another thing, unfortunately, you're going to have to get past one of the characters that he was cloned might be homosexual. And it's done in a 90s bird cagey kind of way. Is this like Val Kilmer, kiss, kiss, bang, bang? Minus seven years of understanding and wokeness. Oh, okay. So a little 90s cringy on the gay humor here and there in this movie. You know, I'm sure we've seen worse. It, it is what it is. What's like the storyline of this? Like there's multiple of him. Why? Okay, so essentially <laughs> Michael Keaton is this dude and he's just fucking busy, right? He's fucking working his ass off. He's got the kids. He's got the wife. He's got so many things going on. He needs some fucking help. And who better to help him than himself? So he goes to a cloning factory. Oh, just a, your regular everyday yeah. cloning factory? It's the 90s. <laughs> we just had cloning factories everywhere. And he clones himself. And then that clone kind of gets a little busy. <laughs> so it goes and clones itself. Okay. I think I got it. And I'm in. I'm in. And you just end up with a bunch of, with one Michael Keaton being four different Michael Keatons. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of a comfort movie for me. It was definitely a TNT Sunday afternoon film, you know? It was constantly mm-hmm. on the rotation for me. Uh, who directed this? Do you know? None other than Mr. Harold Ramey. What? Really? Yeah. Harold Ramey of Ghostbusters fame. And one of my new faves, Groundhog Day. Yeah, and originally, Bill Murray wasn't the first applicant for Groundhog Day that Harold Ramey was considering. It was none other than Mr. Michael Keaton. Wow, this guy's just everywhere. I feel like that could have worked. I see it. Definitely could have worked. Maybe even better. Shots fired. Pew, pew. (laughs) But yeah, you get a Harold Ramey, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton movie with Andy McDowell as well. Well, of course. There's a couple of other friends that you might recognize that are going to pop up from from the era. Okay. But I think it's going to be, while it's 90s cringy, it's going to be a fun watch. And you're going to get to see Michael Keaton playing four different roles all at once. Well, and if I thought I loved one Michael Keaton, I'm sure my heart is going to explode for four Michael Keaton. I mean, you're going to love maybe like two and oh. three quarters of these Michael Keatons. Uh, okay, well... Maybe it's too much Keaton to handle. We'll we'll see. We'll see it on the other side. But yeah, I'm excited to watch it because I do love me some Michael Keaton. Like I said, very, very big comfort movie for me. Well, the fact that this is your comfort movie makes me my most comfortable. You guys ready to watch this thing? I can watch a Michael Keaton movie. I can watch a Michael Keaton movie. Sounds like the TV can watch a Michael <laughs> Keaton movie. I can watch a Michael Keaton movie. All right. All four of us Michael Keatons can watch a Michael Keaton movie. Because the TV counts as one of us because he's part of the show. Wow. 
He's always there. Yeah, Bob Ross. Oh, <laughs> here we go again. No, no. We're going to... This is a Michael Keaton show. We're going to go watch Michael Keaton. Okay, we'll table that for another day. <laughs> All right, let's go watch Multiplicity. Michael Keaton. <laughs> and now, our feature presentation. I found the movie and bought the snacks, and we're back, and we just watched Multiplicity. Michael Keaton. Michael fucking Keaton, guys. And Michael Keaton. And another Michael Keaton. Well, you have to have the fourth Keaton. Okay, so I know I said it in the first half, like, this movie is very 90s, okay? And I know there was some cringy humor, all that kind of stuff, but there was also, I felt like a big 90s, especially, like, that specific 95-era, like, blast of nostalgia at me personally. I mean, you've got you've got fucking giant cell phones and pagers. You've got fax machines, bungee jumping, fucking Viennetta ice cream. I saw a fucking Viennetta ice cream in their freezer, and I haven't seen one of those in decades. There used to be this decadent, beautiful dessert called a Viennetta that was like vanilla ice cream with like crispy chocolate layers in between it and like a cake, and you would slice it like a little cake piece, and you could buy them at your local grocery store and keep them in your freezer and just slice off a little piece every night. Oh, I never heard of this. Oh, you wow. missed out on the Viennettas. Well, thanks for letting us down, Dan. <laughs> yeah, sorry, they don't exist anymore. That sounds decadent. Yeah, so this movie definitely felt very 90s nostalgic to me. I haven't seen this movie as an adult, so it also kind of hit on like the adultish levels at certain points. Because I haven't seen this movie since I was like, you know, in the 90s, pretty much. So I didn't even, like, have kids at that point. And now, yeah, I, I get a little bit more Michael Keaton than I empathize with his character at certain points of this movie. Having to be a working man. A working man and dad pulled everywhere. There was a line that said, like, my whole life is an emergency. <laughs> and I was like, that fucking hits. See, and that's the thing is, I, I'm not a dad. And at the very beginning of this movie, I felt so bad for Michael Keaton. I was like, dude, clone yourself as many times as you need. I, you got a rough life. Yeah, Michael Keaton comes out fucking swinging on this movie because he's just fucking pulling up to the fucking construction site and getting out. And there's already fucking problems because Mr. fucking Eugene Levy himself <laughs> has poured concrete and destroyed the wrong driveway. In such a Eugene Levy fashion. Okay, so uh, for this movie, I have one note. And, and keep in mind, this movie has four Michael Keatons. But the one note I took was Eugene Levy's mustache. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, it was glorious. But not as glorious as my second note, which was Eugene Levy's peacock shirt. <laughs> Eugene Levy, I know he only popped up in a couple of scenes in this movie, but every time it was such a delight. In a different, like, over the top fucking shirt. Well, in the what, what is it? His New York accent that he's trying to trying to put on. I I couldn't get a good grip on, it, but I loved it. Well, it's got to match the watch that he can't reset. <laughs> 
I, I I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about Michael Keaton, but I have to say Eugene Levy is just a fantastic like character actor. He uh, plays just awkward so well. He plays so it's it's funny watching him kind of get bullied by Michael Keaton in this movie. Yeah, definitely give me multiplicity too with Eugene Levy getting cloned into different Eugene Levy characters. Think how off the wall he already is, though. His clones are going to be wild. Yeah, the copies of Eugene Levy's copies are going to be fucking nuts. But okay, okay, back to Michael Keaton. But back to the star, Doug himself. So Doug's this fucking, like, contractor. Obviously, he's, like, obviously Doug's having issues at work trying to balance everything. He's having a problem with work-life balance. That's something we all fucking get. He's trying to get the fucking big jobs. He's trying to be the family man. He's trying to do all the things at once, and he's just not fucking able to. Welcome to the real world. Well, real fucking problems require real fucking solutions because Doug is doing a job over at this fucking uh, science factory, and he fucking runs into this doctor, and he's like, oh, my life's so fucking difficult. There's so much going on. I need, I need help. I need more time. And this doctor dude, this fucking scientist man, is like, I know what to do. I can make a new you. I can clone you. So Dr. Scientist pops out a new Doug out of this like vacuum form machine. And this is where you really get to see Michael Keaton like Michael Keatoning a little bit. Because Michael Keaton was doing a little bit of fucking like physical comedy, like the triple, the, the bumps on the head. When he was getting into the fucking hospital bed. <laughs> like, Michael Keaton's doing a, a nice amount of physical comedy all throughout this movie. And you really, that's not something you really get to see in, like, you know, the Batmans. Michael Keaton. Even the Beetlejuice. The Beetlejuice one's a little bit more calculated. You know, it's a little bit more into the character. It's not just, like, in the moment. That's what I thought about, like, at the end of this movie, is this whole movie is, like, an audition reel for Michael Keaton. What kind of movie are you having? Here, here's this. This whole movie is just every audition he could have. I felt the same way when I was watching Michael Keaton wave to his headshots as they were walking (laughs) away. Do you think this is what he sends people? They're like, okay, do you think you can do this type of role? He's like, have you seen Multiplicity? Are you kidding me? Have you seen my range? (laughs) And to be fair, like, the scenes he's sharing with himself, the timing's very good. Like, everything's very well done. And he definitely kind of personifies these different versions of himself very well and makes them unique and makes them interesting. Like, almost too much so. Okay, because whenever the first clone pops up, I'm a little confused. Takes me a little while to figure out, just to, like, get used to it. Yeah, because there's two Michael Keatons. Yeah, but then once the third one enters, like, I can't, my brain can't comprehend, like, it's just error, 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 and I couldn't with the rest of the movie. <laughs> Did multiplicity break you, Snort? Yes. I, yeah, I, I will say, I think watching it high had some sort of effect on me to where, like, I almost got double vision, but it really wasn't because it was just double Keaton, but, like... My eyes hurt a lot during this movie. Some of that could be the compositing. <laughs> you know, honestly, it I didn't it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't as yeah. bad as I remembered. It popped out in certain little scenes here and there. I think the thing that like was more distracting to me was throughout this movie, I don't know where they fucking recorded this print from on Jeff Bezos' network, but 
there were fucking like scratches and shit coming up on the digital version of this that we were watching. Okay, I thought I caught something like that, and I just didn't know if it was like a part of the movie, I like the things you were talking about, or if it was a legitimate error. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just bad compositing for a while, but then like I noticed it happening in just single shots of the movie, and I, I think they just you know printed it from a bad copy. Huh. There weren't that many non-damaged multiplicity copies that haven't gone through dollar fucking movie theater projectors for 20 years available anymore. <laughs> but when the first clone pops up, there's kind of like, okay, I know it's hard to like, you know, explain like time travel and shit. And I'm really high also, but there's some like existential clone shit going on in there. Cause this clone. So number two, Rico, number two. His name is Rico. Is it legitimately Rico? That's what it's credited as. Okay, He's Rico. Okay. Number two, Rico has all the same memories as Doug up until the point of cloning. And then they're, they're two separate people. So Rico remembers like marrying Laura, possibly being there for the birth of their kids if he wasn't too busy with work. All these memories. And then all of a sudden, that whole life that you built for your entire life as far as you know, now you have to live in the fucking garage. <laughs> like I'm not the real one. I all this whole life, everything's a fabrication. Yeah. And it really sucks to be a clone because you still have to, like you're living in the garage. He's having to go to work. Like he has to, and, and Michael Keaton's not even benefiting from the money because he has to feed him. Cause he's like a real human. What's the point of having a clone? There's no, there, it did. There's no winning. No, there's no winning anytime you get some clones involved. The the, the second clone does kind of get the short end of the fucking stick. Because he definitely, you know, like, he's living in the garage. He has to go to work every day. He's not allowed to have friends. He's not allowed to be with his wife, his kid. He's, like, arrested in his own house, essentially. He's only cloned to be given the shitty parts of his life to him. And when you think about it, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, it is. And he kind of develops a little bit of a fucking attitude over it. But, but I mean... Rightfully is, so. Yeah, is he wrong, you know? No, but he also develops, like, a tough guy Beetlejuice accent. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was hard for me not to see Beetlejuice so many times throughout this movie. I think every... Michael Keaton character had a little Beetlejuice like twang to him. So yeah, so the work clone takes over. Number two, Rico takes over all the jobs and he's like kind of like a fucking dick. He he becomes like the dick at work. Fires Eugene Levy for being 60 minutes late because of his stupid watch. He's being more assertive. He's getting jobs done. Regular Doug, on the other hand, is kind of a fucking asshole. Like, don't get me wrong. Michael Keaton's charming in this movie, but his character's a fucking dick. Yeah, it, it kind of hurt me because before we started this movie, we were like, oh, man, I love Michael Keaton so much. And I mean, I didn't know much about this movie, but I just thought he was going to be a good dude. No, no. It, it pained me how as this movie went on and went on and went on, it just became more glowingly apparent how much of a shithead he really is. Yeah, it, it's definitely framed in the time. Like he wants the wife in the house not working. He, it's it's very gender specific of roles. It's 1990. It's the year of our Dark Lord, 1995. Of course. Corn's coming up soon. <laughs> Limp Bizkit's only a few years down the road. I think Michael Keaton's just going through a midlife crisis during this movie. He clones himself so his clone can stay at home with his family and he can pursue his sailing fucking dream, apparently. 
Was that the original? Was that the original one? Duck? Yeah, yeah, that was the original okay. duck. Okay, but I think like <laughs> too <Yeah>. many Keatons. <laughs> okay, so I think he went into this with good intentions. Like he was like, I'm going to get this other clone. This is going to be the work clone. And then I'm going to be able to be with my family and be the person I want to be. Then he Tom Brady'd. And then he Tom Brady'd. Wow. <laughs> Look at me coming in with the football thing. Fucking 80 for Brady. Look what it does to a person. <laughs> yeah, so they end up having to, having to get another clone because he just kind of wants to go fuck around and go bungee jumping and go to Lakers games and... <laughs> I forgot all about the fucking Lakers game. Sneaking into the house with the foam fucking finger. All right, hold on. I'm going to rewind because I just remembered something that I forgot about, which was the fucking restaurant scene, which I think was one of the best scenes in the entire movie because it takes that like sitcom concept of I'm on two dates at the same time, but puts the clone spin on it because there's two of him also and they have to switch and there's just fucking pandemonium going on in this restaurant. And when he's walking that lady out again, the physical comedy of Michael Keaton in this, and he's knocking her head on the fucking booth. His hand in the little to- salad. Tossing the t- <laughs> oh, just toss, toss. Like that seemed like a full on Keaton improv moment right there. Oh, a hundred percent. It's, it's definitely one of my favorite scenes as well. Yeah. But the home life and the wife life, because the wife wants to go back to work and shit. So now Michael Keaton's like the pure at home person. He's all the time at home. And he's like, I'm fucking tired of this. I still want to go bungee jumping and go to Lakers games. So they make the third clone, whose name is Lance. You know, I I didn't have a problem with Lance. I really didn't. I, I think maybe it wasn't with the best intention of the character. But what Michael Keaton did, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I don't think he was as bad as I was expecting. He wasn't as bad as I remembered. He was more kind of like a librarian than anything else. Yeah. And honestly, I think the best character in the entire movie. He was the nicest. He was the sweetest. He had the best intentions all the time. He was the Michael Keaton that we were talking about before we watched this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michael Keaton's all of them at once. It's He, he learns from them all to become the full Keaton. The, the final form of Keaton? Yeah, at the end. The Hallmark Keaton. Yeah, see, it's the it's the classic Harold Ramey sci-fi moral story that at the same thing as Groundhog's Day at the end, there's a fucking lesson that this guy that didn't like his life, didn't like what he was doing, he ends up learning a lesson at the end through sci-fi circumstances. So pretty much, what what you're saying is just put yourself in similar either days or similar situations over and over and over again until you eventually get it right. That that's what we're we're getting to with these kinds of movies. Yeah, but he was just doing all the days at once with different clones, and but then he learns like from what the clones and like what he did wrong, and yeah, it's it's a it's a moral story. I gotta say, he could have done anything other than clones. Wow, just after the the second one, between the dinner scene, like you just talked about, Dan, just the conundrum that one clone created. You really didn't think a third clone wouldn't be another boomerang in this whole little sequence of events here? Yeah, because I think he, they make the third clone right after the dinner scene. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, because he you wanted got... the other clone to have a friend. But, uh, like, it's if you have a drinking problem, you don't just keep <laughs> drinking your way through it. <laughs> and once again, I mean, there was slightly good intentions, but, like, 
you've already struggled with the first one. You just think about the situation. Just stop. But look what we got out of it. The best clone. I know. Mr. I sh- Lance. I shouldn't be mad, but still. <laughs> yeah, so Lance takes the fucking, like, helm of, like, family clone, and Rico's doing, like, the business clone stuff. And Prime Doug, Prime Keaton, is just kind of, like, diddling about. And he's getting more and more risky with this double life. Like, he's having his other clones stand in for him more and more so that he can go be free and do what he wants to do and go to the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Figure himself out. Live, love, laugh a little. (laughs) And he has to go away to try to figure his shit out for a day or two. And he leaves clone number three, Lance, in charge of being him. And... Throughout this movie, there's only one rule to the clones. <laughs> Nobody fucks Doug's wife but Doug. Loophole, all of them are Doug, and all of them break the fucking rule. Uh, okay, so A, who knew this would be such a driving factor in this movie? This was like the whole back half of this movie. It was don't fuck my wife. B, how can he be mad, though, at the same time? You've created yourself. What did you think was going to happen when you're gone? You've literally put yourself into the situation figuratively and metaphorically. And can we just say, good for her. Three three clones. Three for three. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it's impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Especially since we haven't even talked about the third clone yet. Wow. where, Where do you even go with with the fourth one. With Lenny? Oh, Lenny. His name's Lenny. Is it he really? His name. His name is Lenny. It's Lenny, Rico, and Lance. Wow. Okay. Before we get before we get into Lenny for a minute, Harold Ramey was pushing for this to be a PG movie. It was rated PG thirteen by the commission. He sent it back unchanged and said, Can you look at it again? And they sent it back and said You've got three people fucking this guy's wife. It's the very least of PG-13. We were being nice. How do you, as a director, have a movie where it's like the entire third act driving force is everybody fucking this guy's wife and you think you're going to get a PG rating on this film? Yeah, it's honestly kind of a bold move on his part. But I i mean, I don't know. Times were a little different back then. Or still no. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're still talking about the Motion Picture Association of America. Okay, yeah, yeah. You've got a point. They don't fuck around. It wasn't until Trey Parker and Matt Stone broke them that they got a little bit more lenient and stuff. To, had to force the issue just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we did gloss over the fact that there is a third clone the clones were getting a little bit too busy themselves with all that going on and Doug being fucking gone, absentee fucking person. So they clone number two again. And when you make a copy of a copy, it doesn't come out as good. And there was something wrong with this clone. That aspect makes me, I guess, okay that they took the chance on the character. I understood that that's why it happened. But at times it did seem a little maybe not okay. 1995 yeah. different framing I don't see it in that light as much as I see it as just childlike wonder and amusement see and that helped just me. half baked yeah that helped me kind of get over the the questionableness of it I guess 
yeah, we're talking about science, but that raises another thing. Does like what does this clone get all of like two's memories up until that point when he got cloned? I mean, I think he would have to, right? You would think. I mean, but yeah, I don't know what to do about three. Maybe or that, four. Maybe that's why he is the way he is, though. He just has nothing. Yeah, maybe it's like reverse, like mental waves or some shit. Okay, I don't know. But anyways, so there's something wrong with four. Yeah, it's kind of a, a like I said, cringy 90s type stuff. Honestly, I don't feel like we needed it. It, it is what it is. I probably would have enjoyed the movie more without it, but it also doesn't take anything away because it's just another kind of like highlight reel of Michael Keaton, you know? It's just Michael Keaton being silly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So... When Michael Keaton Prime gets back from going to Catalina to try to find himself or whatever, everything's all fucked up because the fucking number two was sick. Number three went in to go do a building inspection and got them both fired. And then number two was fucking being a dick to Prime Doug's wife. And she went and talked to four. Like there was a lot of... How does this lady not know the difference between like... I understand... You don't. Your first thought isn't, "Hey, there's four different people around here," but there's di- there's distinct differences in personalities. There's shirt changes going on. Yeah, when you're trying to have a serious conversation, and the only answer someone could say is pizza, like, don't you check and make sure they're not having like a stroke or something? <laughs> like, he was gluing some airplanes. Maybe he gets a little punchy when he's been sniffing glue for oh, a couple hours in the yeah. hobby shop. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was genuinely surprised that she really never picked up on it. I was like, what? how can you explain like 90% of the things going on in your house right now? So she ends up fucking uh, getting the kids and getting the fuck out of there and heading over to Palm Springs. Regular Doug comes back and he's like, hey, what the fuck happened? You guys blew up my life. And they're like, no, motherfucker, you blew up your life. Oh, moral fucking learning. Teach him a lesson. Should have just stuck with one Keaton. Don't clone yourself. <laughs> but now Doug Keaton has learned his lesson and he knows like what he has to do. And what he has to do is a 1990s montage of fixing the fucking house. Was this a pitch for HGTV TV show? The whole thing's a highlight reel. He was going to be the next Bob Vila. He really looks like he just, like, is a contractor. Like, this is the most believable thing. Yeah, for I kept having flashbacks to, like, home improvement a lot when I was watching this. See, I was thinking, like, okay, Tom Hanks in every movie, he's taking a piss, right? That's a Tom Hanks thing. Brad Pitt. What? He's, you don't know that? What? You, you don't know Tom Hanks takes a piss in every, like, on screen takes a piss in every movie that he's in? Well, no. hold on. Same thing with like Brad Pitt. He's always eating something okay. in every scene he's I, in. I've heard that. that. One, yes. Tom okay. Hanks, Leave though. our own. Cast away. Other Tom. Uh, Forrest Gump. Agape. Huh. There's something with Tom Hanks and P. And there's something with Michael Keaton in unfinished houses. For some reason in my head, anytime I see Michael Keaton in like a this or before era comedy, there's an unfinished house involved somewhere. Just looks like a contract. I was gonna say, I think it goes back to our previous conversation of just Michael Keaton's always kind of been a dad, and you can't unsee it. This movie kind of hammers that home. Yeah, and he does learn to be a better husband and father through the clones, and he does the whole like montage. 
He calls in some assistance from his old buddy, Eugene Levy, who's just not fucking taken aback at all by the fact that there's four of them now. <laughs> he just gets to work. He's like, all right, I guess we're doing some fucking driveways here, people. Well, you got to think, he's got like 34 kids. He's probably hurting for some work. And he just got fired by this guy. You're going to do whatever he says. Wait, did okay. he get fired by this guy or that guy or this guy or that guy? <laughs> I don't think he knows what's going on. <laughs> but Michael Keaton, in the end, fixes up the house, makes it all pretty, and goes and wins back his wife, brings her to the house, shows it to her. Everything's happy again, and the clones drive off into the sunset together. No, they drive off to Florida together. <laughs> That's a sunset, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Things get pretty dim down there. But you know what they're doing in Florida? They're living their best life. Everybody's happy. Rico's fucking chatting it up with the ladies in bikinis. Lance is making some pizzas. And Lenny's tossing pizzas onto lawns. Yeah, bold choice just to send them on their way. (laughs) See you later. Yeah, that's like another like existential thing for me. Like, if I had clones of myself, I'd want to know where they were. You know what I mean? Like, I I want them close by. I don't want them out there doing God knows what with my fingerprints and my DNA. That's why you had to kill them. That's whoa, the only choice. Whoa, whoa! You brought them into this world. You take them out. Yeah, never trust a clone. Never trust a clone. I trust robots more than I trust clones. Ooh, that really no i would trust a robot more than a clone well be, for sure you gotta think you think like your clone thinks though like you're kind of one step ahead as long as you're the smarter of the two i don't trust that i will be do you think you could win in a fight against a clone or do you think it would just be like a dead even match like okay if i was to arm wrestle my clone it would just stay right in the middle right because we're both no, the exact same thing. It it depends if you have a good clone or an evil clone. Because if you it okay, it's like good Janet and bad Janet, you know? Yeah, but like what, the bad the bad me would be more powerful? Yeah, because you're gonna be evil. So I'm more powerful than the other me already. You can be, yeah. Okay, I gotta show you something <laughs> by my <laughs> I gotta show you something behind my ear, guys. Wait a minute. What? I, I hate to reveal this, but I'm a clone. Where's the real Dan? <laughs> Get him out of here, motherfucker! <laughs> Who's this fucking guy? I don't think I could fight a clone of myself. Honestly, though, I couldn't. And we would just have like a wow off. Wow. That's the most like you clone thing to say, though. But like, excuse me, good sir. Could we have a rational discussion? We don't have to fight. We love cheese. We're cheese guys. That's what your clones would do. They would just drive to Wisconsin and open a cheese shop. That's their happy ending. We got the finest wheels of cheese, eh? Wait, are your clones Canadian? Just a couple cheese guys, eh? I don't know. Whatever, they're whatever you <laughs> hey, want. Hey, I'm to a be. Johnny Gorgonzola. <laughs> yeah, and that was Michael Keaton, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. No, that was gold. You know, I got to say, this this movie was all over the place. It, it really did have a little bit of everything. And uh, it might be one of my favorite Michael Keaton performances just for how much meat and potatoes you get of him in this. Yeah, you get the most Michael Keaton for your fucking buck in this movie, 100%. The Michael Keaton characters in this movie, 
but the Michael Keaton performances in this movie, I enjoy. Yeah, I do agree with that. The Michael Keaton, but oh, it's almost too much Michael Keaton where it ruins it for me. I think it might ruin it for me. I won't revisit this. You could have done with one less clone, maybe two. Two, two less clones. One clone was enough. So you just want like a face-off situation. That's more your speed yeah, in this one. You had three, and it's a it's a crowd. <laughs> I was just trying to think what I think each clone's karaoke song is. And I think I think I've got I've I've got some of them figured out maybe. Okay. Okay. Number two's karaoke song, Free Bird. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, number. What year is this? Ninety five. Okay. Um. What What do you think number three's is? I think you go, Gloria Gaynor. I will survive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about What about OG Keaton? OG Keaton, I think he's uh he's dropping some like Steely Dan or something. Like he's up that vibe. I don't know what that is. That's the kind of stuff that like stepdads listen to. <laughs> oh, okay. When did he get regulated to a stepdad all of a sudden? Okay, no, no, no. Okay. You're right. Michael Keaton's the original dad. Tom Hanks is the stepdad that's making him look bad. Or that he perceives as making him look bad, but then they end up becoming buddies in the end. Ooh. Okay, Michael Keaton, Tom Hanks, like Buddy Cobb. Ooh, no, I have a, I have a better, better idea. Okay, they're both dads. Okay, but Tom Hanks' kid is better at all the sports than Michael Keaton's kid. So they're like, he, Michael Keaton doesn't like him because his kid's better. Oh, okay, but Michael Keaton's also the coach of the team. Oh yeah, definitely. Of the kids, yeah. I mean, he became the coach in this movie. It makes sense. I want to set it in, like, Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. And make him play hockey. All right, guys. Well, as we continue down our Hall of Honors, we've seen the Hermione Grangers, Emma Watson. We've seen the Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. And our next nominee is coming from uh, Mr. Silent John himself. Oh, guys. I am so excited to... Unleash a personal fave of mine. Um, I'm excited for you to uh, dip your toes in the sand, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Next week, we're going to be watching Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler, of course. I've got my basketball shorts ready. Oh, it's (laughs) mandatory. Everybody has to wear basketball shorts for this episode. I mean, I I think it just goes without saying. The dude just oozes niceness. There's... So many fantastic stories about him just being a great dude, and I can't wait to give you some of those stories next week. No, Sam Man, definitely one of the sweetest, most genuine guys that works in fucking Hollywood. He, very similarly to the rest of our nominees, early career, really fucking solid. Did some great work for a while. Then he kind of started doing some grown-ups movies. Kind of stopped. And then, bam! Fucking bangers. Whole time around. Yeah, I think he is finally, after all this time, kind of getting his due and getting his recognition or recognition that he rightfully deserves. But uh, along his filmography, there's just it's it's not for everybody. I will admit, and he does have some misses because who doesn't? But but where Fifty First Dates falls, it's kind of in that still figuring it out phase. I think, and I think it's a movie that just 
needs to be rediscovered. It's it's got a lot of heart to it. Yeah, I love Fifty First Dates. It's probably one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. Honestly, I think it's sweet. I think it's endearing. Uh, we can get into the actual nitty gritty of Adam Sandler's whole career and Fifty First Dates next week. But I'm very excited to watch this because it's just it's a sweet sand movie. And Drew Barrymore. I love her. A little something for everybody. Look at that. Yeah. But that's going to be next week. So if you want to follow along with our Hall of Honors. Make sure to follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Teach Cinema Podcast. Make sure to leave us a review and rating on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else. Leave a comment about our new logo. Yeah, new branding, merch coming soon. It's going to be a great year, 2023. Michael Keaton. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but that is going to do it for this week's episode. So if you see Dan and Snort and Silent John and Dan and Snort and Silent John and Dan and Snort and Silent John and Dan and Snort and Silent John, but they're all really, 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 really high, come over and say hi. That might just be us. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Michael Keaton. I'm very high. I'm very high right now. Michael Keaton. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Ooh, did you know Michael Keaton was the first one to do a Batman voice? He was the first Batman, Batman. to have a Bruce Wayne voice and then a Batman voice. Oh, oh. the old two-character voice, huh? That's, that's a fun fact. Yeah, that's a fun Keaton, Colonel. Huh. Pop, pop. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Whoever Beetlejuice died as and became the Beetlejuice, he definitely lived in a trailer park, left the wife and kids for a stripper. Fuck, am I Beetlejuice? (laughs) Am I going to be Beetlejuice? (laughs) Beetlejuice? Hey, uh. (laughs) I can't believe we we said Beetlejuice that many times. We haven't. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, what we're going to have to do here is. Beetlejuice was a uh, yeah. <laughs> Put him away. All right, Beetlejuice is back in the back in the pocket. <laughs>